Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk HR. Today I'm joined by Martin, Charlie and Natalie and we're going to talk about something looking into the future, the future, the benefits of the future, the sort of things that you're going to really want if, if you're going to take that job back at Google, Meta or one of the other Salesforce, all the tech companies that have, have flushed everyone out recently. Um, but to start with just introductions martin uh you've been you've just done a another podcast i think it was with um mike l and mike sure yeah um is this room free podcast can you tell everyone a little bit about that if they want to find out more yeah so the podcast is really um a hr careers podcast um where every episode i'm joined by a hr professional um to try and bring in as broad a range of profiles from every niche within the hr spectrum um we talk through their career but um really the best bits of the insights like the little rabbit holes that we go and explore um so there's um, hopefully something for everyone if you're um entry level hr all the way up to seasoned hr director um you can either listen to people who are in the role that you aspire to be in or if you're currently kind of in more of a senior position um listen to your peer group in terms of um getting kind of um more maybe modern thinking just understanding what's going on in other people's worlds and Martin's also a recruitment consultant, but as you see, we, we, we left with the podcast because it's not about getting you to change your jobs. If you're happy, you're happy, and it's all about expanding your skills. Charlie, Claire, um, who you introduced me to, has been doing a great series for uh, OK Positive over January, introducing sort of you know January blues and how people are feeling and stuff like that. It's had some really good engagement, isn't it? Do you want to tell people a little more about what she's doing? Yeah, Claire's been helping us with um, a range of content on a, a short content campaign around just topics that we've seen and she has seen in the workplace that are affecting, you know, every position and role around communication, around how to deal with time management, a whole host of things that are useful takeaways. And that's one of the big things that we focus on is around small actions that individuals can take within their job, within their day to help themselves and also help the people around them. So it's just useful little bite-sized chunks that people can kind of watch on their commute or um, when they're taking a coffee break. Um, and hopefully it's useful, but yeah, it's, it's getting great engagement. And I think the more we, highlight this information the more we can help people to empathize and, and be a bit more compassionate with each other in the workplace as well so yeah that's that's kind of the basis of what it's about and natalie by the time this goes live the obviously the complicated whiteboard of new integrations new website new rebox everything should be live by then how, how much of this january relaunch in january is a big commitment isn't it how's it going um it's going really well thank you so we've been do, well, we've been toying with this probably for the past eight months upon feedback from not only our clients, but as the company has continued to grow and expand, it just seems like a natural thing to have um, a bit more of a whizzy presence, if you like. Um, so it, it's really nice to see it all coming together behind the scenes and it relaunches very shortly. So, um, yes, but it does feel like my arm has been cut off. Um, because we've had the website for such a long time but obviously we've rebranded so we've got a different logo um, we've dropped the strap line of being a virtual HR consultancy because we're seeing more and more people just coming into our office and seeing us physically and training with us so it's all really positive things good 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 so you lots going on and it's only I mean we're recording this in Jan January 24th is when we're recording it. there's a lot to, a lot going on so already so far this year 
Now we're going to talk about the benefits of the future and I'm going to ask each of you to give me a couple of benefits you think people are going to be asking for in the future. But to give you a little bit of time to think about it, uh, I'm going to start with one of the ones that I think I've been thinking about, I think people are going to want to see in their future careers, which is fully funded sabbaticals for rest and rejuvenation. Uh, one of the things I got to at a point where I was probably mid-30s and I've been working since I was 16 is I hit a breaking point and I just needed to take a break. I needed to come away from it. Martin, are you seeing more and more people taking a break between jobs or is it is it that people just are continuing to go, that'll leave, I'll start, I'll leave, I'll start? You know, is R&R becoming kind of an important thing for people in their career choices? I think so. I think typically within um, HR as a profession, it's, um, it's heavily female dominated. So, you know, as a um, as a sector in itself, you often historically have found that um, there would be people who would take time out because they would start a family. Um, but I'm certainly seeing it kind of more and more. It tends to happen more, if I'm if I'm really honest, that kind of the kind of mid to senior level where um, they'll maybe get to a role such as a HR business partner where they. Um, start to get more project orientated and build up a, a bit of a kind of um, project manager type skill set where they can go into an organization, deliver on a project and go, do you know what? I think I've done that. Now I'm going to take a bit of a break, re um, renovate a house, um, go do a bit of traveling, something like that, where I think it, it works well in that situation because they've probably been paid quite well, built up a bit of a, a kind of a, a nest um, fund so that that can really kind of facilitate them to go off and have that sabbatical break. Um, so I think flipping that, that's where I'm kind of seeing it right now, flipping it and where you're looking at kind of more paid sabbaticals, that kind of opens the door to the rest of the masses really. Yeah, I think one of the things that I was looking at is let's say you've put 10 years, companies want commitment, companies need to give commitment. Let's say you give 10 years to a company and potentially you could have six months off paid or something like that. Is that potentially something that would make me stay at a company for longer, potentially? Um, I think just to kind of jump in, I think that is an interesting one because you can swing that back into organisations that trialled um, unlimited work, unlimited holidays. Um because I've, you know, over the last probably five years, I think, since it, it came out, I can't remember who was the who was the first that did it. It wasn't wasn't Virgin or somebody, was it? But somebody did it. Um, and I and I was really quite interested in that. I was, I think, I had twenty three days at the time, so I was really like, is this going to be a thing? Um, and I know a lot of times where that actually didn't work, and companies ended up pulling it back and just giving a um, an inflated beyond statutory and inflated level of holidays and what they found was where they gave it unlimited nobody put their head above the parapet and went Do you know what i'm going to take two months off you're going to pay me it's within my kind of rights i'm going to go off and do some traveling of southeast asia for two months come back um that never really happened people just kind of sat with what they were taking but what the other end of the spectrum there were people not using enough holidays so not kind of taking enough time off and it I guess the the concept of it um not backfired but maybe where there was like i don't know i shouldn't say this but the daily mail scaremongering saying well you're not going to have any staff in your organization because everyone's just going to take you know a year off um it more kind of went the other way and i think that kind of feeds into it where 
that concept didn't really kind of get off the ground, but where you may be looking at a kind of paid sabbatical, I think people feel a little bit more in, in kind of, it's okay to do that. It's a, it's a thing. I'm allowed to do it. And I'm not putting my head above the parapet of, well, I'm going to be the person that takes 40 days this year versus everyone else that takes, you know, 25 and kind of just stays within that norm. And you can plan for it almost, can't you, Natalie? If you think about, you know, it's about a call. I've been here 10 years. I'm going to take six months off. I'm going to tell them I'm taking six months off a year. You, there's, I think the unlimited holidays for me, and, and, and probably Charlie will say this as well, the, the anxiety of taking more than your fair share and putting everyone's other job, you know, putting people's jobs at risks and livelihoods at risks and creating instability for people if you were to take an extra day's holiday probably does push you to go the other way because there's not a expectation, whereas planning a sabbatical, making everyone aware is a good thing, surely. I think from my perspective, I think all of these concepts and trials are interesting because traditionally what I've seen is a lot of these benefits and opportunities are put on people rather than looking at the individuals and people within the businesses themselves. So someone will see another company doing, you know, um, what was that one at um bumble where they had a week off and you know full well that if the whole company's on a week off they're gonna have two weeks of work that they're coming back to and they're probably going to be working if you're in the tech team or the engineering team or in the customer success team you're not going to get that benefit and it's kind of the idea of a sabbatical or even unlimited holidays it's putting the pressure on the individuals around this is the way things work but you may be someone that doesn't want to take six months off and wants to build up a, a level of experience or finish that project or say you you've got a sprint in a technology um, project that you're doing and you want to see the end of it and you want to be the person that leads that process but no actually I've got this sabbatical now or I'm due it I think traditionally recruitment were big for sabbaticals after say five or six years of service or and things like that rewarding that but I've always been of the opinion that if you have a, a process in a business or a, or a way of working an environment that allows people to have their lives while working they won't search for that six months off to be free of it because they're able to live their lives alongside their job itself. And I think every business is different, right? There'll be social care and public sector health care that won't have the opportunity of sabbaticals. But, you know, you then go and work and you're pushing a, people to a market of where they probably prefer to be in the startups and the ecosystems that let them have those benefits. And I think the issue is every business is different and you need to find what works for the people in your organization and put them first at the decision-making process. Cause yeah, to Martin's point, you, it did backfire a little bit in the sense that, you know, there was that guilt and anxiety around taking holidays. And so they needed to find a way that actually, how do we make this work for everyone? Not just a proportion of people that are maybe young, don't have young families can travel the world. We're assuming a lot of things about what people want. Cause I, I you know, I took an example for me, I took uh, a week and a half off at Christmas and I immediately became ill because I'd just gone off of my process of how I do my day and my exercise and my routine. And I didn't enjoy necessarily switching off for that long. I'd rather be working a bit and doing my own thing. So it works differently for everyone because I know that's not the case for, for everyone. Um, so yeah, I just think the issue and on, on the topic of benefits is it's been put on a lot of people rather than involving them in the process of the decision-making. If you lead people to a decision, it can be far more powerful in terms of its impact. Can I just add another bit that um, I was having a um, a conversation. I, I I kind of toyed around with the idea. We we offer twenty five days, um, and another point that's quite interesting. We do um, work anywhere, work any hours. So we're not. I don't really tie the team into okay. You need to be in the office, or you need to be working from home. Um, 
one of the teams from Bulgaria and she can go home and see her family. You know, she just works the time difference. That's all it is. Um, and I toyed around with the idea um, kind of expanding to unlimited holidays, just, uh, just kind of bouncing the idea around. I spoke to one of my friends about it and he works in the public sector and, um, and he saw the kind of the, the, you know, the good side of it, but he actually, this is, this really like flummoxed me. He said, um, if they were to do it in the public service, um, there are people who, despite having that entitlement given to everybody, it's not, you know, only you get it, it's, it's parity across the board. He said there would be resentment from individuals in the organization to others who took it. So even though they've got the entitlement to access it, they wouldn't take it. And then they would be resentful of others who did take it and it would create discord within the culture of teams. And I was like, that, that blew my mind. If you've got access to it, but you don't take it, that's your choice. But to then be resentful to others who have taken what is their right. But that, that was something I just wasn't thinking about. It's because that's of different the other side that I see. So when I'm speaking with my clients and things like that, often or not, if we have um, a group of people or a group of employees in a particular department that will be taking um, what, you know, essentially what they're entitled to. So they they run an unlimited holiday um, scheme. However, you've got the clash between the two groups. So you'll have the groups that do want to take more holiday and they've made the most of that benefit and everything else versus the guys that are just scraping over their statutory entitlement when they've actually got a company enhancement as well, you're starting to see actually there is disgruntlement between the teams. We've actually ex experienced grievances raised as part of this saying that, you know, they're taking the mickey and we're not being able to take time off because they've taken too much time off and the company only allows X amount of people off at one time um so I, I agree we also have the the concept you mentioned martin around we can work anywhere um at any time it does work in some organizations um the one area that i think will always fall behind is where you have to have a physical presence to be able to undertake the work that you do so some of our clients are within the manufacturing industry you know, they're, they're saying all of these wonderful benefits, you know, the futuristic benefits, they call it, um, when they're working in very old school environments. They're like, do you know what? You just keep giving and giving and giving. And, you know, what is it that you're actually getting back from this? So I think if any employers are potentially watching this, one of the things that I would be asking myself, if you're thinking, let's implement, you know, this, that and the other, quite rightly so with Charlie's advice is that we shouldn't assume what people want we should always really look into what is it that we're trying to get to as a business and how do we bring the employees along for that journey because if you start just i've got one client that has handed them the moon on a stick <laughs> is what we call it they have got every benefit under the sun they also have um very good wages they can work from home so they they've even stopped giving out season ticket loans because of the issues experienced with you know the rail strikes and things like that so they're like ah, well if we could do the job at home we might as well just carry on doing it from home so that they do have that really good arrangement but they have a really high level of turnover so they're not retaining and 
you know, they offer a, an incredible package that people would only ever dream of and people don't want it. So when they're trying to recruit new members of staff, they're really struggling to find the talent that will fit in with the culture because people do want to have or they want to know the people that they're working with. So I think the, it's, it's really it's interesting. This because I, I was thinking about this recently, just, you know, um, kind of through my head of, of, you know, I work in recruitment. So my job is to try and, you know, we get a vacancy from a client and we've got to try and kind of attract people to be interested in that role. And I was, I was just thinking, it's not the benefits that you focus on. It really isn't. So you can throw the moon at the stick. It, it comes down to what's the actual job? What's the culture of the organization like? What's the, where, where can this, where can this job take me? So if I engage and start in, on this journey, what does that pathway look like for me? And that could be financial, career development, um, better work-life balance, whatever it may be. And I think sometimes we can get a little bit caught up in, um, you know, masking over the problem by, like you say, throwing kind of more benefits on top of it. Well, what are the benefits there to achieve? You know, get your foundations right and then build your benefits on top of that. Yeah, I think we're seeing the rise of this, what I call the steady eddies. So as we've come out of the pandemic, people have realised actually there's more to life than work. And we, James and I have spoken at this at, at length and it's fascinating how deep you can go with this subject because it's so individual and people have different, whether we like it or not, they have different expectations of that working environment now. So it's not just a case of I go to work and everything else. What people want sometimes is just to be able to pay their bills Work is almost, it used to be at the forefront of their their life. You know, they've probably built a career and you've got returning mums and parents and people that have had children over COVID. Um, you know, we've, we've got a, a fantastic diversity of people within the workforce at the moment. But the one thing that's always been underestimated in every business and you cannot operate without them is the steady eddies. So people just want to, the amount of people I've actually spoken to and they've said, you know, I'm just going to go and work on the tills at Tesco's because I want to be able to do my job, leave it at the door, and then I can go home and be normal. And I can do whatever I want to do during my free time without worrying of the additional pressures of work. Um, I've got fellow HR consultants um, that I speak to regularly that have said, you know what, actually, it's a lot of pressure. So I just want to be able to go in do a business partner job, finish at five o'clock, and then I can go home and not worry about it rather than the stresses of running a business. So it's it's horses for courses, isn't it? Everybody um, has different needs and different priorities. And we're really starting to see that shape the future of, of the workforce, including benefits, retention, um, and of course, how we attract people to, to work in the organisations, but I'm, I'm all for the steady eddies coming in because it, it will really stabilise a lot of businesses that have been traditionally made up of a very competitive environment full of high performers and everyone's jumping over each other to get a promotion or you've got people that are underperforming and there was never that really that middle ground to balance everything out. So, um, yeah, up, power to the steady eddies out there. Okay, so let me give you some more benefits of the future that, that I, I've been looking at just to see what what 
if anything's like actually because one of the things you mentioned yeah you can throw under the moon at the stick but on one of the ones where we had women's health there was a, a young girl she had a hysterectomy at 22 she was paying 600 pound a month for hrt and if there was an insurance policy that she could get with her employer that would pay for that for her she would stay at that company for life because that's life-saving support for her and and that that was worth more than anything you know it's not about the money it's about a company values her life that's what she would see that as an investment in and there's different views of it so let me give you some more um this one's for charlie artificial intelligence powered career development and mentoring um comprehensive genetic testing for personalized health plans um sustainable commuting options and carbon offset these are really out there i was thinking like just like yeah, yeah, yeah. what's achievable Virtual in the next reality um training and wellness james what's wrong with the gym membership well but like peloton for example but with a vr headset um and then the the last one is biometric based health tracking and personalized benefits wow now, if you saw any company offer any of those, would you be like, I want to work there? Isn't that a little bit like when, I think, is it Vitality through their private health? They give you an Apple Watch so that, yeah. you know, you've got to kind of keep up a certain level of activity to keep your premium paid for by the organisation. That's, I guess, creeping into that kind of biometric monitoring, which... It reduces your premium. It doesn't mean you keep the benefit. You have the benefit, but your premiums will go down if you... Uh, oh, right. so I, I only know I know one organisation who pay it for their staff, and if they go above, a, they drop below a certain level of activity, the company doesn't pay for it. This is where, this is what's interesting for me about benefits, and actually what really frustrates me about benefits is that, you know, I'll use the example. Technically, if you offered everyone in your organization a toothbrush you count that as a benefit right you've given them a toothbrush but until they brush their teeth with it regularly there's no benefit or impact from it and that's the problem we have with benefits is we put all these different things on all the things you've named there which are quite exciting in terms of their possible application but also the simple ones like therapy if you have therapy within a business and no one touches it there's no impact it's not a benefit it's a, it's a useless platitude that people are putting on and saying look how good we look and this is the issue. We, we're never impact focused. And I think one of the biggest things we'll move away from is actually, I, I'm seeing this because I do it in my business. We don't do time-based work. We do goal-based, goal-orientated work. And the issue with that, and, and the good thing about that for me, I find, is that, yes, we all have different lifestyles. And we have different flexibilities, different priorities. And as an organization, we prioritize getting the best out of people by working within how they like to work best. That's the simple truth of it. That's what we prioritize. If I was to promote people, it would be based on the fact that they're happy in their jobs, they're content and they're working as they want to and, and delivering on their goals that they've set themselves and we've set with them. And so you could look at that and go, oh, well, that's ridiculous. We need them in nine to five for the core hours. But it's actually like, well, no, if you set the goals that you want to achieve that week, if they do it in two hours, you've still achieved those goals and you've hit those targets that you want to hit. Then again, you could look at it and say, well, this is an ever-changing picture. We'll change your goals. If you're doing it in two hours in a month and you don't need to do any more work, you've probably set your goals too low. And that's a way to look at it and go, right, how do we stimulate? Because as Martin made a point, and, and that's as well around, people want clarity of role. They want clear communication. They want to feel like they're respected and valued in their job and they're making a difference. 
and you can see all the stats around inspired employees versus engaged versus disengaged um how far more productive inspired employees are but i think we need to move away from this idea that yeah we've got a we've got an insurance provider we've got this there's no impact to that if people don't want it or it's not relevant to uh, james's point on the lady with the hysterectomy um that is the impact of that benefit is what motivates her the impact of what it provides i know that there's a, a lovely guy called antonio yertle who's doing that in social care and he's looking at care carers in a workplace that have the stresses of cares the financial burden of cares and providing insurance and support on that it's going to be relevant to people within businesses but not everyone within a particular business because you could be a young professional starting out who doesn't have any dependents and doesn't have any elderly parents or things like that or people unwell and that's not a benefit just by saying there's access to something really frustrates me is it's not a benefit the impact is a benefit I think one of the points I wanted to add on to that, Charlie, is that one of the things that our clients are coming to most at the moment when they're looking at their benefit schemes and everything else is actually around um, critical illness and um, life insurance and also health insurance, not just for them, but for their families as well. So for small businesses, you know, it can be a very, very expensive benefit, um, especially if you've got or you're retaining employees. Obviously, those benefits then become more expensive as they they get older, um, because that's just how insurances work when you're. Um, so the, the one analogy I always use is that we should never assume how we um, what our employees want because you could put in anything and it just may not be what they're looking for in that life cycle. As the, the example that James has, has given, people's circumstances change all the time and therefore priorities change. So what could be in date now could be out of date in two months time. So in the same way you would have a HR system, your information is only as good as the data you put into it. And if you haven't got any data, and you're just throwing it out there and wondering, well, why aren't people picking this up? This is an amazing benefit. Um, you know, you, you just haven't really researched it and you've probably wasted a shed load of money as well. So it's worth getting that information and probably getting it via an external provider because it's quite time consuming. Get, get an expert involved that does know what they're doing and they would be able to drill down what it is exactly that the employees are looking for. I think going back to your original point, James, listening to those they all sound a little bit ridiculous and audacious where we are right now but i reckon some of those are going to come in because it'll get implemented somewhere there'll be a lot of pr around it and then somebody else will go look over the garden fence and go oh well, we need that so completely away from your point charlie of not what's the actual benefit that we're trying to achieve here it's more, you know, we're in a consumer society. We want the next thing. Yeah. And you we, can see we, it on we, adverts. We, like we get distracted, don't we? So I, I, as ridiculous as some of those are, they will come into play. Yeah, well, you see it on adverts in between the football now. So I, I, I watch football quite a lot, but you see um, people testing or sending away samples like blood samples or whatever oh, it is. Tricky, and they then get results back. You see it in celebrity culture where they're being tested in advance for cancers because either they've 
got relatives that have genetically or you know they may have passed it down through generations so i can i can really relate to martin's point on that one i really do think it's going to be a thing because people are you know now more focused on their well-being and their health more than anything else so um you know which is all really positive stuff but obviously it needs to be the right solution for the right um, it company, takes, as martin it said takes one organization so the the vr peloton headsets let's go and pay a few influencers it'll go all over social media give it six to 12 months the kids will be wanting to do it but they won't get it they won't understand what it's about but they just want it yeah and then that drives it so whether we need it whether it's going to be right for us is a different conversation to whether these things will happen i think there is an inevitability around some of this stuff. Um, I mean, I was asked a question recently just around, um, you know, Meta doing um, interviews via VR headsets and, and someone from people management interviewed me and said, will that become, you know, a thing? And I was like, if somebody asked me to do it now, I haven't got a VR headset. So, you know, we're not at that stage yet that people have the, the tools and the equipment available to do it. Um, and then what happens? Do we create our own avatar? So it's not really who we are and what we look like. So we're ready you know, player one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. So, but it'll happen. It will happen. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just said, I actually said, no, it won't <laughs> happen. Um, but it will at some point. It's just, you know, not now, not five years, not 10 years, but it, these things will happen. Do you think we can get to a point where, you know, where people create, I don't know, like a, not a fake profile, but you could get a, a profile on Facebook that doesn't look 100% legitimate. Do you think that ultimately we could end up in a situation where we actually don't know who we're working with? Probably. I think that because comes down to the metaverse. Process. You're not. Yeah, I mean, it's metaverse. If you, you work in a bank you don't know who works in the it department in singapore do you so it's like it already exists like it's i think yeah i i think when we're talking about these things around the future and how things will work and genetic testing all that kind of stuff the key is it will be in the control of the consumer or the individual within this situation like you'll choose whether you want to do these things like you know the age-old question would you like to know when you're going to die some people were like no i wouldn't some people like tell me the date so i can live my life to the fullest when in reality it's a very scary premise of looking at it would you like to know the exact date you're going to pass away probably not for me but it may be different for people around this call so it's like once again i think you've got to hone in on the focus of i suppose individuals and what their priorities are and what the organization prioritizes as well and i think if they're prioritizing something shiny to attract new talent to their business it's probably going to be positioned in the wrong way. And to the point of changing things within a business where people are already working, you might lose people from there because they're like, I don't like the way things are changing and I'll find somewhere that's more fit to my skill set and my priorities. So it, it, it's also not a bad thing that people move around businesses. I mean, it's, it's, it's the way the world works, but it, if it's when you see the real issues coming in, a benefit without impact is, is pointless in my opinion. I think so. Cool. Can I just say one last thing? I, I, I was just going to say, it feels like we're getting in this conversation about, um, really to kind of Charlie's point of what is absolutely key to a better life for that individual versus um, 
maybe what's better for the organization because you were talking about the hysterectomy lady the point i was going to make for what i think i'd love to see it um enhanced paternity leave you know two weeks for the dad is nothing i'm a dad trust me i've had two different experiences i had two weeks off with our our first son um and then we straight back to work and then the second one he was born during um kind of covid so i've spent so much time with him completely different relationship with two two children um question the, the closing question, which was at the start, I asked you two benefits you would want to see for the future. And I think that you, you've just articulated brilliantly extended paternity leave for fathers that would really benefit you if you were to be looking for employability because you've benefited so much from it during COVID. Is, is there another one that you'd be looking for? Not to another. piggyback, but um, private health care. You know, the again, as a I think your benefits also change as you go through your. You know what stage of, of life you're at um you know we've had a my wife's pregnant again we're um having loads of issues with the nhs i'm just hearing horror stories left right and center about the nhs that is not going to get better that situation is not going to improve so i'm kind of now going right i need to look at an alternative and the only alternative is to go private um so if i was somebody and um a private healthcare was offered currently where i am now that would be highly desirable because it, it's costly it's kind of one of those things you don't need it until you need it but when you do my god you need it so yeah certainly private a complete private health you know i guess like the us i so yeah from my perspective and i think there's two main areas i'd focus on one being for on that point of communication, real-time feedback and support in terms of actually understanding how people are feeling within a business and, and what best ways to support them. Obviously, I'm quite biased in that in that area anyway. But the second point that that would lead to is maybe a standardization, a standardization across every organization where it's subsidized in some form that you get a set level of benefits that just come as standard across businesses. And it's like, it's a level playing field across that. And anything on top of that is your choice as a business to go ahead. But having some form of, I know they tried to do that with employee assistance programs, but it just didn't work because it was a race to the bottom and the money and the situation, the commercialization of it led to, they wanted it's lower. It's a on a business card for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and that's it. And, and ultimately, yeah, which you can get from great charitable organizations, you know, that are nothing to do with your organization at all. And so, you know, having that, putting the people at the forefront and actually having that, because that will just help businesses anyway. And the issue that I found, particularly for HR, in, in, in that situation is employees think the HR works for the organization, the senior leadership and organization think the HR works for the employees. There's a mistrust and a discord in most cases, which is unfair on the HR system itself because it's an impossible when you're in a rock and a hard place. So actually opening up that communication going, this is an evidence impact metric that we're going to be doing. This is what the issues and successes are. This is what we're going to do about it based on what they've said. And this is how it worked. And if you do that, the benefits will filter in behind that. And if that doesn't work or people don't want to do that as much or can't afford to, then I would look at standardization of, you know, this is, you, people do get private healthcare as part of it, but it costs X, Y, and Z, but that's just a standard. And then if businesses want to go above and beyond, they can, but there is a bare minimum of what they have to fit so that everyone is getting access to at least the core principles of what people are feeling and what they want. Um, I think it's a really interesting idea. 
Um, because you could say, okay, well, let's say your salary is 10,000. And if you want private healthcare, you would sacrifice 500 pounds a year of that and, and you would tag it. And then it'd be a lot cheaper than if you were to buy it outright yourself, but you could take it as pre-tax benefits that's, that's which is the issue you know, government aren't going to be putting any money out in any time soon are they so yeah it, but it's it's that's you asked me my ideal situation that I, I really like that as a concept i think you know because you could say okay well i'm going to pay 200 pounds i'm going to take 200 pound a year off my top line salary for increased paternity leave and i'm going to have that as an insurance across all jobs that i take it's really as a core concept, it would be really interesting. Someone's going to ruin it in the comments. You can guarantee it, can't you? Natalie, for you, two benefits. Uh, two two benefits to rule them all. Um, so if anyone has had a chance to see it, this week um, the BBC published an article which was based around the levels of unemployment within the UK and they broke it into three sections. Sorry, I am reading it from underneath you. So if it looks like I'm doing auto <laughs> I probably am. Um, so it's... It was split into three groups, which was ages between 16 and 24, um, ages of 25 to 49, and ages 50 to 64, which is the general, you know, working life. Um, so one of the things that really came out and, and stuck out for me was the age 25 to 49 group. And reading the stats here, it says that over or nearly 1.5 million people in the UK in that age group are caring. So it doesn't stipulate whether that is for childcare or whatnot. Um, one of the biggest questions that we get here um, at Rebox HR is generally, how do we get working parents into you know, an organisation? How do we cater for their needs? And, you know, because... They, they've got people depending on them. So one of the issues that's going on in the wider economy is the childcare issue. It's really expensive. Most people, whether it's private or whether it's a government run or public or however the, the nursery is set up or the schools are set up, um, generally is that it's too expensive. They have to wait for places. And most of the time, the really good ones, you're waiting for years. So even before you've had your child, you have to put your name on the list to be able to get a place. So one of the things that I think would really support, I completely agree with Martin's point, um, you know, actual paid lengthy or much more lengthy uh, paternity leave is absolutely essential, like they do in Scandinavia. But when we're looking at childcare support, that is the majority of people are unemployed because of that reason, because of childcare issues. So one of the things that um, a lot of we've got actually got a client that has a crash on site. So the the working families aren't, you know, they have a safe place for their children. They can go down at certain points throughout the day. There's arranged activities and that is funded for by the company. It saves them a lot of money um, and time lost in people not being able to be present because they have children because they're so restricted. Um, so my second benefit would actually be a, a bit more Martin Lewis would be around financial wellness as a standard education piece in organisations from the get go. Um, I also think that it should be in the education system as, as a whole and as a standard anyway, um, purely because 
the amount of times that we get requests for people to subsidize their salary at the moment so that they can pay their energy bill is unreal um so that people can actually afford to feed their families as a standard um you know it's it's just about being a bit more relevant to what's going on it's not just what's going on inside the company because obviously that's important but again it's just down to what um employers can afford i mean to be honest with you if we had financial educators within businesses as standard or just even had it as a general training or part of the self-development um then i think people would be in a much more comfortable place in in themselves and a lot of mental health issues charlie you, you can correct me if i'm wrong generate from financial stress and pressure from those sorts of you know being able to pay their bills and this is not a new thing this is something that's been going on for many years where people have got themselves into debt for example it's really stressful and it's caused a lot of issues and, and mental health problems so if we can even just remove one element um of those two issues i think that workplaces would be um a lot more productive and of course help martin with his job and help people to uh, put the right people in the right organizations so what what do you guys think watching this you know of, of these benefits do you think these are what um you would want in your future career or is it some of the futuristic benefits that you're going to want to see in your future career do you want us to talk about different stages of life and how benefits may change how you when you're starting your career to when you're looking at retirement to now you know martin mentioned private healthcare, which is something i i've had to pay for for myself over the last six months because waiting lists for pain clinic were 12 months so it was either 12 months in pain or pay 300 pounds to see someone all different people have different benefits probably at different points of time in their life and do you want us to explore this in more detail let us know do you want us to go into more detail about this maybe financial wellness should be the extra two years of maths everyone learns financial independence how it all comes together instead of putting letters into maths maybe understanding how finance and pensions investments work may help a person be more financially independent it's not what the government are going to do though is it this has been let's talk hr thank you very much to martin charlie and natalie for joining us this has been the benefits of the future i think one of the things we've learned is there is no one size fits all however if you talk to people find out what they want find out what they're interested in find out what has a benefit you may be able to come with a really basic base package and then look at ways that you can actually enhance salaries so people can invest in the things that really benefit them thank you very much all three of you and we'll catch you on the next one take care